Hello, everyone. My name is Joanne Lockwood, and I'm your host for the Inclusion Bites podcast. In this series, I have interviewed a number of amazing people that simply had a conversation around the subject of inclusion, belonging, and generally making the world a better place for everyone to thrive. If you'd like to join me in the future, then please do drop me a line to joe.lockwood at stchangehappen.co.uk. That's s-e-changehappen.co.uk. You can catch up with all of the previous shows on iTunes, Spotify, and the usual places. So plug in the headphones, grab a decaf, and let's get going. Today is episode 70, with the title, A New Diversity. And I have the absolute honour and privilege to welcome Nirja Singh. Nirja describes herself as someone who brings home to people the crying need for generational benevolence and who opens their eyes to the threat generational dissidence can hold to our collective mental and emotional health. When I asked Nirja to describe her super, she said, a deep desire to leave behind her a generation that is more potent, progressive, and productive than her generation. Hello, Nirja. Welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. It's lovely to be here. And it's like a dream. We were in Dublin just 20 days ago attending the Global Speakers Summit. And here we are across the oceans doing a podcast on my favorite subject, generational diversity. Thank you, Joe, for this opportunity. Absolute pleasure. And it was absolutely wonderful to meet you in person, as you say, a couple of weeks ago. So, Nija, um, what do you mean by a new diversity? We talk about diversity in terms of gender, ethnicity, socioeconomic differences, but generational is a diversity that is just beginning to emerge. I do believe that it presents very unique challenges. The interesting thing about generational diversity, Joe, is that each and every one of us is going to be experiencing this because we are going to enter different age groups. So everyone is going to be affected by it. There are very special circumstances today that make this a very crucial, critical diversity, which ought to be studied very, very seriously. Yes, Joe. Yeah, I, I, you're right. And I think that's quite insightful. We are all going to experience generational diversity because we will all whilst we may stay within our own generational bound, that bound relatively changes as time progresses and new generations come along, new cultures come along, new ways of thinking come along. And we almost like decay into the past, if you like, for a better way of putting it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's something I've never really considered that we, we all experience it. And it's a saying, isn't it? We, we're, all in, we're all in the same storm but different boats. So we're all in the same generational... Um, momentum but we're experiencing it in a slightly different way in fact joe there are micro generations today because things are changing so fast and it is the technology around us that has given generations that are coming up now a form of autonomy and agency that uh, perhaps you and i have never seen before so there are very fundamental social systems dynamics that are under threat today for instance the collapse of authority 
you might have a young person feel today that they don't need their grandparents anymore. They don't need their parents anymore. They have such power at their fingertips thanks to the internet. So these are phenomena that need to be very, very closely studied, researched and spoken about so that everybody at places of work, at home, in public spaces is aware of what is at play and how can we be more productive and happier. Who doesn't want a happy workforce that over delivers, right? And of course, here is yeah. where yeah. generational discretionary effort. Comes. Yeah. Yes. We want discretionary effort. We want that sense of belonging. We want that um, empowerment. We want that, that those, those connections within our workplace. And, and those, those can be tricky when you've got, as you say, multiple generations, multiple viewpoints, multiple biases we may de develop in a, a perspectives in our own life because we're because we've been brought up cross-generationally our viewpoints are often anchored to the situation we were when we grew when we developed or grew or, or experienced something absolutely and uh, we need to remind ourselves joe that this generation gap is unique never ever unprecedented and the reason is that this is not about style or music or sexual experimentation or consumption. This gap is about language. There are battles over inclusivity, about diversity and power structures. And just to make a representative case, I usually use two terms, boomer and zoomer. They're not entirely accurate, but for the sake of argument, let's say a boomer wanted a paycheck once a zoomer looks for purpose for one it is satisfaction for the other it is development one wants a boss or worked with a boss and the other looks for a coach today for one it is a job for the other there's a life for one there's a job in a government military public sector and for the other it's their own business so there are very very fundamental differences that we need to be aware of because mm. at work they will present themselves in different expectations in different definitions yeah. of yes different definitions of let's say excellence or ethics or work culture expectations that's why yep. this new so generational diversity needs to be studied yeah i mean the reason i think that's insightful and opening my eyes is because i i live and work and i've, I've been spent most of my life in the uk uh, the south of the south of england and you are based in hyderabad in india uh, presumably you've spent a good proportion of your life in a very similar area to that so what you're saying there from the other side of the world across several continents is very similar to my perception of my reality. So this is a cross-generational, cross-cultural experience as well. So we're not saying a, a boomer from your continent has vastly different expectations than a boomer from my continent. Yes, we have different um, nuances because of our cultures, but fundamentally the desires and needs because we're living in a global world now, a connected global world, we're, we're homogenizing around common thinking and common experiences, aren't we? So today, each generation is like a culture. So that is one. 
with their own language, with their own um, uh, visuals, with their own uh, uh, values that they internalize and they practice. So that is one. Second, in India, there has, uh, you know, the social revolution has happened so fast. Currently, several revolutions are going on in my country. There is the industry, there's the industrial, there is your political. Most important is the social revolution afoot around me. And until the 2013, I was quite blissfully unaware of this generational gap and how fundamental it could be. There were two incidents, Joe, that happened in 2013. My husband is a fighter pilot and we were posted at an Air Force base where a MiG-21 crashed and the 25-year-old pilot lost his life. Of course, the plane went down too. Now, crashes have happened before. What was disturbing about this was the cause. The cause was sleep deprivation, social media addiction. This young pilot was up at night chatting up with his girlfriend. Now, this is something that did not happen in 1986 when I got married. My husband was flying those days and he told me very firmly that his sleep is very important. That is one. Imagine the extent of the loss. And the second was in 2013, my daughter, she was 23 then, she went into depression completely out of the blue for us. Unexpected. Uh, we considered ourselves fairly progressive parents. We read up on uh, the new ideas around and we thought we were on top of it. But here we were faced with this very desolate, bleak and frightening experience with our older one who ticked all the check boxes. And here she was with this very dark space. That made me sit up and start looking around what is going on. And that's how my engagement with generational diversity started. And uh, the more I studied, uh, the more I realized that because of the hyper-connectedness today, Joe, whether it's UK, whether it's South Africa, whether it's India, this is there is a mass mind, you know, a, almost a colonization of minds, young minds, I say, colonization of young minds that is happening around us. So it's hard to say. What is influencing the young people, the next generation, all across the world? It is mostly similar information that they are getting from the internet, unfiltered information. Yeah, it, I was, as you as I was talking there, I was thinking that uh, my generation, if you like, um, were always. I, I think you would class me as a Gen X. Uh, born yes. in the mid '60s, so I'm I'm just a Gen X, not a not a, a boomer. So, I but I spent most of my life in a technical IT connected. So I was always at the leading edge of technology, um, creating knowledge, training other people to use it, and also I spent a lot of my a lot of my formative years, my twenties, my thirties, my forties, traveling around the world. Um, for work and also for pleasure, um, going to world meetings of, 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 of in networking and home hosting in people's homes and living with people in their countries. So I, I've always considered myself to be not a uh, a true Gen X. So in terms of technology 
or connectedness because I, I feel like I've, I've got those aspirations. And I think one of the things taught me in the last two years with COVID is that I was already ready for a technical global perspective and not seeing things very parochial and very locale based, but more what could we do globally? Um, so it's what I think what I'm trying to say is that we've got to be careful we don't create stereotypes or label people as being of a certain age. Some some of it is is mindset, but I also appreciate there is there is some definite generational anchoring of my age that means that I do think in different ways than someone who's maybe uh, a, a zoomer as you as you called them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the only thing today is that uh, what's happening is again the rate of change. Uh, for instance, today the average age of founders of unicorns would be uh, let's say thirty-one, and uh, the age of the C CEOs would be forty-one, perhaps. And many of them have uh, little guidance or experience to run companies that are scaling very quickly. Like they say, there's as yet no microwave in the market for leadership skills. So one is awareness, a global viewpoint, like you developed because of your traveling, which is which is great. The other is what is what is going on in uh, in in workplaces, in companies, in businesses. So power is moving younger and younger, and the older people, many of them, begin to feel irrelevant, Joe, today, and that's a paradox because longevity is better gets better and better people are living longer they stay healthy they're quite aware of uh, medical issues and they would like to stay relevant and however they begin to feel out of place so the thing in being aware of generational diversity is to examine and apply ways in which we can include the different generations and reap the benefits of their very unique strengths because let's say for the younger unicorns uh, there's no microwave as yet in the market for leadership skills so you can't instantly have them learn how to lead so they while the older generation may lack in uh, what you call digital intelligence, maybe TQ, but they can make up in accumulated EQ. So these are ways to get together various diverse generations, age diversity, and make the most of their strengths. But for that, managers and the leaders have to be up to speed with how differently these various generations think and what their life paradigms are finally that is important yeah and so so my generation um without casting any dispersions on your age but maybe our both senior generation here is that we grew up in a world where leadership wasn't nurtured with eq or even cq or dq the dq wouldn't exist at that time so we grew up in a very much more command and control, hierarchical, um, yeah, not necessarily dictatorial leadership, certainly authoritative-like leadership, whereas the, the leadership styles that work better today are more collaborative, they're more transformational, they're more bottom-up, 
Um, and some maybe leaders who are 40, 45, 50 plus haven't necessarily grown their career with that mindset. And that's a, that's a real tough, tough retraining for many leaders to get their head around, isn't it? Absolutely. Certainly. It is, it is. And uh, it uh, requires uh, an entire process of reframing their assumptions and being willing to listen, being willing to speak only, like they say, 25% of what they're thinking. And uh, yes, it is. And But but it, it has to be done because today, Joe, we need to appreciate that, for instance, I call myself a gen bridger. But what is bridging today? What does it imply? Well, bridging today is start where the next generation is, not from where you are. So it's not a bridge from me to the next generation. No, you are helping them build a bridge from where they are and where they want to go. That is gen bridging here in this case. So that level of empathy, that willingness to acknowledge that things have changed so drastically, Joe, that today, for example, let's say this is something beautiful I read. It says that our young may need us for the timeless values and virtues that make civilization work, but we may need them to envision where the future is taking us. They are the ones who are going to envision where the future is taking us. So it's true, what you're describing was a very different form of leadership, authoritative, prescriptive. That is not working anymore because in many cases, a millennial or a Gen Z might turn around and say, well, I really don't need them. All my questions are being answered by Alexa, by Siri, by Google. What do I need the older generation for? And I'm empowered by social media. If I have an idea, I don't have to wait to give a proposal, have it approved, and then implement it. I can just put a note on Facebook. I can put it out on LinkedIn, and uh, I can connect with people, mobilize funds, and just get this done. So that agency and the autonomy that technology has given the next generation has really tipped the balance. Hmm. So we are in a new world, Joe. So, I mean, if we just think about uh, cultural intelligence as a as a concept, the first element of that, as I'm sure you're aware, is is that is that drive, that drive to, to recognise that you need to find out more in, in our conversation here about different generations. But we have to we have to realise that not everybody has that drive, has that aspiration. Many people are locked into their own way of working we get to a certain point in our lives where we've been through so much change over our years we want to just say actually can we just carry on as I am now I want to stick and, and carry on so f- for many now introducing this this new concept of leadership where the world works we're now hyper connected we're more in touch with different generations it must a lot of people who haven't perceived this need to to create knowledge and drive around different generations are, are probably struggling really struggling how, how do they how do they how do they become aware and, and how, do they, how do they embark on this journey so they become aware uh 
firstly, this podcast that we are doing, this is one way, and this is a step closer. Uh, this ge generational diversity and the need for generational, I call it benevolence, which is not a given anymore. Uh, if generations begin to feel that they don't need each other to survive, Joe, and that uh, they can uh, they can get on with their lives and they live very very polarized, you know, the, in niches in very narrow uh, narrow eco chambers. The same age group will live with the same age group, interact with the same age group. So, if you're not interacting with your grandparent, let's say if that's not happening, then this is uh, this is a red flag. This is a red flag for humans. I feel so. That's one, and second is that um, when they start losing their uh, they have trouble with retaining employees if they have trouble with estrangement from their children when there is a sudden crisis like i faced i faced a crisis in 2013 that was a that was out of the blue i should have been sensitive enough and informed enough and prepared enough to anticipate it i didn't but we can't afford that. That proved to be extremely expensive, unaffordable. So when people start to be faced with these difficult situations in their lives, that's one way of waking up. The other is people who are in a position of authority and power, they do something very, very, they, they step up to this challenge. Firstly, they recognize this and then they start addressing it. For example, at the workplace, uh, a comprehensive hiring strategy, for instance. There is a lot of lip service, Joe, that is paid to diversity, but how many companies have a processes in place, diversity hiring processes in place? So if generational diversity is acknowledged, companies can do this, the bosses, the, the leaders can be doing this. They can also make sure that other leaders understand the benefits of an age diverse workforce and basically strategize better you address employee onboarding team integration then you also build awareness of potential issues to ensure that uh, communication problems that arise from an age diverse workforce are addressed and keep talking to the wider team about age diversity normalize it make it make it imperative for people to accept it and to just anticipate it in fact and uh, so these are some ways of ensuring that uh, people become aware of generational diversity and they begin to recognize the benefits that they stand to gain so a happier life a healthier life a better communication a more wholesome social system and our collective emotional and mental health progresses and flourishes, Joe. Now, I'm, I, I hear what you're saying completely. And I think that, that I suppose as someone in my age of life, you know, my, my late 50s, is that the onus is now on me to build that bridge, as you talked about, building yes. the bridge at generations. Yes. Because the younger generations are probably looking down, not up. So we we have the disconnect and we have to take responsibilities, the older generation to build that bridge rather than expecting the younger ones to meet us halfway. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And 
to prove my point, let me talk a little about what is coming up next. We are talking about generational C, Gen C. There is an alpha generation that's coming up next. So children who were born, let's say, in 2015, 2016, uh, there is debate. Some people want to say that the alpha generation came in at 2010, but 2016, let's say, because a lot of lot of very uh, pivotal points, uh, pivotal events happened in 2016. So this generation, uh, that there is a there is a WhatsApp uh, message that was doing the round some time ago. You may have seen it. There's this picture of an alpha, a toddler, trying to uh, that the child is using the index finger on a book and trying to move it and treat it as a smartphone or a smart screen. He hasn't. The child hasn't seen a traditional book. The child doesn't know that this this thing has to be opened so that they can look at the pictures. A very, very uh, immersed generation, completely most immersed generation in technology, that is one. And also remember that every generation is a product of the world that they grow up in. And this particular generation is very interesting because for them, pandemic, mental health of their parents, 33% of their lives has been affected by watching a particular brand of adulting, which includes a very polarized world, a very, well, uncivil world, yelling going on, neighbors not being neighborly. I'm talking about the, even the political leaders we've had during that period. So they've seen all these events and they are, uh, there are certain things which are predicted about this generation. It's also said it's too early to say too much because that kind of research isn't uh, very accurate when you're just, uh, uh, you know, basing it on very, very young people. However, this generation will be the most educated. I mentioned they'll be most tech immersed. They'll also be most materially endowed generation, most impatient generation. The generation that gets rude with Alexa, screams at Alexa. Also, very self-directed, most self-directed generation ever. And so they are the other generation. They'll be used to giving directions to technology as well as receiving directions from technology. And interestingly, this generation is going to experience more virtual relationships perhaps than human ones because they are working with robotics not electronics there's a difference there and they, they unfortunately they're also a generation that's going to be probably probably spending their childhood without both of their biological parents so the three A's, the three A's that will probably, again, probably because this generation is very young, they say that are going to define this generation is the level of autonomy is one, high level of, of autonomy because they're working with a tablet in preschool, anxiety in preschool because they are exposed to the war in Ukraine. You can't keep it from them. They are exposed to... Uh, 
there's a term, the extinction of child likeness and extension of childishness, which 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 may happen with this generation because in the later years you want to compensate for what you lost when you were younger and finally joe agency they have this sense of agency they don't feel the need to wait to put their ideas into practice you have youtube that can teach them quickly how to do what they want to do and then there is social media to get what they want so today, Joe, what is being spoken of is that parents and bosses have to stop being guards, but begin to be guides, from guards to guides. So these are the kind of, you know, reorientation, reorientation of our perspectives and our approaches uh, when, when managing, when taking care of the younger generation. Uh, this is what we need to be aware of. we need to anticipate we need to anticipate what is coming at us and not assume that this is how it's going to be do not assume joe i think as you were talking there i'm finally understanding about building this bridge i'm, I'm finally understanding because what i am doing is i've i've recognized some of the things you just mentioned i i can't function without my alexa it turns the lights on, it turns the telly on, it, 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 I change the colour of the lights. If I could control even more of my home with it, I would just be shouting at it. And, and you're right, I get really, really frustrated if it doesn't do what I say. So I'm, I'm acting already yes. petulant towards my, my, my digital assistant. So I'm, I'm now having to reach into the modern technology and bring that to me, as you say. So I'm building that bridge upwards to me. And YouTube and TikTok, I'm now... I'm now uh, absorbing the knowledge through these channels which is is the native for as you say gen alpha or even a, a, a gen z i i'm being driven by technology my watch beeps at me and tells me to stand up my watch tells me it's raining my watch tells me it's going to stop raining so yes. ultimately I'm, I'm now taking instructions from my ai or my digital assistant as well as giving instructions so everything you're saying now i'm thinking hang on a minute i've bridged into this world and i've had to build that into my life um, it helps that I'm a bit tech savvy. It helps that I'm a bit intrigued by all this. Um, it would definitely scare people who are maybe not in that environment, uh, who are maybe detached from technology where that wasn't part of their, their business. So, yeah, and you know, we, we, Facebook, the metaverse, and you said there we're, we're living our lives in, in this digital world with digital relationships, digital everything, and even deep fake technology, AI. To, Absolutely. We don't need actors anymore. We don't need voice. I was actually thinking the other day, if I wanted to build a showreel or a, a video training course, I could I could create a diverse set of actors with AI and develop an entire course and give it a script with different accents, different languages in time. Maybe not quite today, but by this time in three or four years' time, I could build all of that for my computer and, and build a complete film as an amateur let alone what Hollywood, let alone what everybody else can do. And we've already seen, is it uh, Carrie Fisher played Princess Leia in Star Wars. She was avatared, wasn't she, in, in that last episode, in that last one. She'd already died. And we've seen the aging going on. We've seen all these kind of things. 
and holograms for speakers and yeah. leaders holograms where you don't need to be present physically to be able to do mm. that there's a famous story in india because in india in some of the villages during elections one of the political leaders uh in fact our prime minister there was a hologram and uh, the reporter narrated uh, how the villagers tentatively stepped up then pulled back the curtain to see where is he disappeared they couldn't believe that he was not there it caused them such amazement and surprise so yes technology is uh, it, it is going to change it is already changed and with the yeah. ai already already is so integral a part of yeah. our lives i i so, see it already with my parents who are late 80s early 90s and they are used to having a certain level of trust with authority they see authority as being the police the bank government so they take without question instruction and order from people in authority and that manifests itself as 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 being targets for scamming for fraud because it's very easy to create that that power perception of somebody in authority to instruct my parents how to behave and they they just go okay you're in authority i will i will listen i will do as you tell me my generation and younger are more savvy i i start with everything is is likely to be a scam until i can prove otherwise especially if it has money or they want something so i always i'm always a kind of come on keep prove it to me prove it to me okay i now trust you so what I'm seeing here is when we talk about deep fake, we talk about AI, we talk about all the things we just talked about there. The challenge there is the emerging generation are going to have to build trust into the, into the interfaces here that I, as a, as a Gen Xer, won't understand and I'll be vulnerable to. So they will deep distrust video, media, television, imagery, because they will know about deep faking inherently. They'll be living in that metaverse. Whereas I won't, I, I won't mistrust that yet. I have to, I have to build that bridge again and, and learn that that modern concept of of, of a, and build a new trust with technology. And that's, I can see why my parents are worried about their. <laughs> I'm now thinking, how do how do I do, how do that's, I live in this world? No, that's true because there is a trust deficit, as it is, Joe. And uh, again, you know, the, the, I have to say this that. Um, wisdom wisdom is and the, the everybody says don't stereotype and don't stereotype a generation but the fact is that there are stereotypical character i mean there are well stereotypical there are characteristics that we can use to address wellness programs for generations for instance you just mentioned uh, trust in authority for a boomer for me a doctor's word is the bible he knows what he's doing he's an expert i'm not going to question the doctor but for the next generation for the younger generation what they're going to do is first go online and do all their surfing and that's where the anxiety also begins at what they need I, I realized that that with my daughter who went into depression and who had to see doctors and uh, psychiatrists she she needed a partner she didn't need an authority figure and a wellness program for her would have been ideally something that included not just nutrition, but uh, financial planning, mental health, all of this, a middle ground, so to say. Hmm. So the needs of every generation is very different. You look for a, somebody who can partner with you 
in your recovery. Yes. But not yeah. not an uncle, not an uncle psychiatrist who's you know telling you put on your shoes and go and run, or uh, you know, uh, non not is is not compassionate enough enough with behavioral health, let's say challenges. So that's 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 where that if if they were more aware, if they were more open and compassionate and judged a little less and were aware of the circumstances of the next generation and their struggles then we could help them stay potent and we wouldn't we could prevent lives from spiraling out of out of control that is what i feel very strongly about it that's why we need to understand what is happening and what are the new realities that we are dealing with we need to be proactive step up and find out anticipate i, I write a column joe i write a column i want to mention that and i call it a step ahead so Parents, teachers, bosses, be aware of the language of the next generation, of what their belief systems are, of what they value, of where they are going, where they want to be, and then be there, be the ally, be an asset, be relevant, be relevant. Because the mandate, our mandate, I believe every generation's mandate is to leave behind one that's more potent, progressive, and productive. That's so you mentioned, you used the term micro-generations earlier, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing in, in my own reality that the pace of change is far more rapid. You know, change, we look, go back 150 years, society fundamentally didn't change that quickly. We went from many hundreds of years using horses to suddenly yes. steam to suddenly from steam to petrol from petrol to yeah and that pace of change we're going to the moon with crossing planets so i can only see the pace of change rapidly increasing especially when we're talking about climate change planetary care sustainability removing plastics which is what the younger generation really deeply care about they care about their future their planet they they they've owned it it's their planet now not ours okay they care they're telling us joe they're saying they're not sure they're going to die off they're going to have the luxury of dying of old age yeah. that's that's what it's come to mm. they're not sure of that they could die of climate some some other catastrophe which is which is which is poignant, which is not right, which is unacceptable, which is not the way of nature, which is not the law of nature. And therefore, again, for workplaces, for leaders, for managers of the new generations, they need to really be clear on what leadership. Let's say we were talking about the alpha generation, which is in time going to be joining the workforce. What is the leadership of alpha going to look like? What are the skills that leaders will have to focus on with this generation. For instance, and, and not just Alpha, even Gen Z, the generation that is right now, um, 1995, born 1995, 1996 onwards, their emotional development, Joe. So focus on development of their emotional self, their emotional, uh, their, sorry, their emotional uh, management, the self-management. That is what we are seeing around us with young people. The self-management is somewhere going all right. Uh, 
one more thing you see, and I saw that with my children, my children are millennials. This is a repressed anger. And um, sometimes it's that anger which is manifesting, which is presenting as depression. There's a lot of anger about the state of things around them, about what they see as, uh, what they perceive as injustice, uh, how the world has been messed up. Greta Thunberg is an example. A young girl standing in the European Parliament and saying, I'm Greta Thunberg, I'm 16, I'm from Sweden, and then I want you to panic. So there is this sense of urgency that things are spiraling out of control. Uh, which again I talk about this too, which is which is why we have the witch witches renaissance also around us. When a generation feels that they are not in control of things, that things are slipping out of their hands, that is when they turn to, let's say, potions or uh, potions or the lunar the lunar festival and uh, or. I, I don't know if you're aware or you're kind of, uh, you know about the witches renaissance, but I was really, really uh, struck by this new development of how the young people are trying to soothe themselves, literally. So the new leadership, if they were aware, they would help them with these uh, interpersonal skills and how to manage conflict and uh, Help them cultivate deeper relationships. That's a, that's a, that's a that's huge today. I mean, a lot of young people are not able to uh, sustain relationships, and of course, promoting physical activity, outdoor exercise. So these are some of the things that leader a leader of the next generation needs to be focused on. Yeah, I, when I was growing up, you know, when I was sixteen. I'm not, I wasn't hyper aware of every little thing going on because you weren't, you got the news once a day, if you were lucky as a teenager, you probably didn't even watch it or care about it. So I think because younger people are hyper connected with devices, they're getting notifications, they're seeing the news pop up, they're seeing this, the Facebook, it's on everywhere or TikTok, wherever they're going. So they, they can't ignore it. So that, as you say, they're becoming hyper aware that they're being i would say overwhelmed with knowledge and data where if you're 16 years old four years is a quarter of your life if you're our generation it's five percent of your life so what is a big deal to, when it's a quarter of your life is it becomes less of a big deal when it's such a small percentage of your life and obviously time goes quicker when you're older because you perceive it because you've, you've done it all before and it's it's in a different different frame so yeah, I can understand why the younger generation are feeling this anxiety, this overwhelm. When we talk about well-being, it's mental well-being is is more hyper intense than physical well-being in, in many cases. And as you said, the, the point about the doctor is, I want my doctor to know how I feel, not where it hurts. I want them to know how I'm feeling about something, and I, I guess the when we talk about the, the next generation of, of medical intervention here is it's about treating my my mind as much as treating my symptoms and making me feel as though I trust you. And, and when I've done this, I've walked into my doctor with Google on my phone saying, I've got I've yes. got cholecystitis, I've got cholecystitis and my gallbladder needs to come out. And they went, <laughs> don't, be, don't be so hasty. We need to, we need to do ultrasounds and MRI scans. I said, do what you need to do. 
And three weeks yeah. later, they admitted me to hospital and took my gallbladder out. Um, but I, I self-diagnosed this through um, uh, gallstone support groups online, through Facebook yes. channels, through all this, oh, and people's lived experience. I mean, that's exactly what happens to me. That's exactly what happened. So when they started telling me that I had uh, indigestion, I said, no, it's not indigestion. You're not. These aren't these aren't the droids you're looking for. This is completely different. So, but yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm a, I've built that bridge, if you like, into that technology zone. So I, I feel quite comfortable doing that. But again, not everybody is, and it's it's a real challenge in business, isn't it? Because we we I, as I always always say, is you can't be inclusive by excluding people, and we've got to recognise that some people who are midlife, later life they their their role has changed immensely because the, the rapid change of pace of, of technology etc our organization is doing enough to help them build that bridge that we talked about help them retrain help them to become more relevant or we just assuming that everybody has to pick it up for themselves and i think that's the challenge that business have is seeing the worth of people in their 50s, in their 60s, and in their 70s. Because the reality is most of us won't be able to retire because pension funds are depleted. There's more people drawing than have ever contributed. Um, our health is actually, our average uh, lifespan is actually going down again now, isn't it? We're becoming, I think for the first time in many generations, but we're dying earlier now due to pollution and mental health and well-being and other, other factors. So, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges for the older generation to try and adapt to the younger one, and uh, and it's I suppose it's the prerogative of youth not to care to be to think about yourselves rather than what went before you. Yes, and that's happening. You mentioned anxiety. I I I, I know that for some young people, just the buzz of the phone causes their hearts to disappear. It's like, oh God, oh, what's coming now? You know, what's in the message now? So that's 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 happening with young people. And uh, you talked about uh, the doctors. Joe, my 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 daughter, my thirty-one year old, would also talk about the pharma, big pharma frauds. So my personal is political for many of this generation. They are social justice warriors, and. Uh, they choose, they choose, they take sides. And uh, she would say that I don't want to eat medicines because uh, these, you know, pharmacy companies are uh, uh, lying or uh, it's it's very commercial and profit oriented and all kinds of uh, bigger, bigger issues would sometimes influence her decisions. And our attitude would be, okay, the doctor has told you to eat this medicine, just take the medicine, this is for your good. But there were so many other underlying concerns that would influence their choices. So you talked about the onus, whether the onus uh, should be with the younger one. Did you say that, Ucho? I do believe that the yeah, onus actually... Yeah. Hmm. Who has to take responsibility? Is Do we need the younger generation to meet us halfway or at least help us with our bridge? Well... Uh, that will not happen just by wanting uh, it to happen. That's going to happen with, when we build a sense, give them a sense of connection where they feel invested enough. Like I said, 
the reality today is that it's easy for the younger generation to just there's a cancel culture just just shut out people just shut out ideas that don't um uh, that you know that they don't get or that don't help them in any way uh, it's very easy for them to do that and they're doing it i i know young people who are moving away from their biological families they're they're charting they're writing down their living wills in which their friends are involved so they're creating families outside of what was once the real family you always said this is the real family it's the biological family but that family it it, it no longer holds that kind of sanctity that it once held then like young people who are not marrying today, Joe, the young people, if they're marrying, they don't want children. They don't want to have children. There are there are countries where the, you know, the rate of replacement and how that is going. The, the, they're not enough to, yeah, the, the population is going down. Bad for economy, bad for society. It's not a good sign for survival of the human species, I'm saying. So when you say that the onus ought to be on the younger one, well, that that's going to happen only if they feel heard, seen, and if they feel that uh, there is a genuine desire from the older generation to to help them. I think they have a very keen bullshit meter, and uh, they, they 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 pick on that very fast. So none none of that works anymore i i you know i've done that with my children and i've been told how i'm being passive aggressive in my communication and all of that they 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 they're very they're very quick they're very sensitive to all of this uh, i i'll go so far as to say that you feel as though they can read your mind so be very 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 straight cut all the nonsense cut all the sharp like get to the core and then if they then they begin to trust you that you're coming from a place of integrity and a clean desire to help that is when they might meet you halfway that that's that's what my experience has been John. and that's going to create a challenge in the business world isn't it because where the leaders and the senior people in the organizations are disconnected from the younger generation and the younger yes. generation is, is is not taking any part of responsibility to build that bridge it's all on the owners of the leaders. And if they don't recognize that need need to build this bridge, the disconnect is going to grow wider. And then there's going to be poor communications and uh, we're not going to be collaborative. And all the, all the good things about the modern way of working won't be realized in some organizations where that bridge can't be built. Certainly. That's why leaders and business uh, bosses have to stop operating from a place of fear and a place of... Uh, uh, this fight or flee, you know, just shutting the cabin and uh, because you are not able to communicate with them. Uh, that I don't think that's working with a lot of people. And this is a time to make an attempt, make an attempt, inform yourself, get into the trenches with them and try and understand. Because remember, uh, there are micro generations today and more and more age diversity coming with that many different cultures. If you are, if you accept that each generation is functioning like a culture in itself and it's that big a headache and exhaustion of communicating with this vast variety of uh, well um, you know generations so 
which is why I say that uh, this is a subject that uh, has to be taken up and this is a subject that has to be studied and addressed and talked about. You can't just presume that communication is happening on its own and, uh, um, you know, you, you are communicating and it's working. It's not working. It's not working. There are very different ways of, uh, uh, for instance, authority. Some of them, they just don't accept authority. They don't understand it. So what are you going to do with a workforce? that might tell you if you are the boss and they phone, they get a phone call and they pick up the call in your presence and go so far as to tell you to go out of the room so that they can have some privacy with their call. It's, 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 it's a new, it's a new, it's a new template. But if you made an effort to understand where all that is coming from, where their behavior is coming from, then we can have that productive and happy workplace. Therefore, very important to study this new diversity, be aware of it, be conscious, and get into it. Because right because, now we have yes. we have five generations, don't we? There's five generations. That bridge has multiple spans to get down to the bottom, doesn't it? So Joe, they say that never before in mankind's history have so many generations been alive because of longevity. Yeah. Uh, and that many generations and that many years apart. Earlier it was closer. So there were three generations. There would be yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Today is different. So this is an unprecedented age diversity that we see around us. And the message you're saying here is it's cross-cultural as well, cross-continent, cross-time zone, yes. cross-cultural. And we can't look at it in isolation and be siloed into our own thinking because the world is global. We're connected globally. Um, things that happen on one side of the world have impact on the other. We saw what happened with the UK economy when we tried to play with our, our interest rates and things like that here. The markets around the world kicked in what's going on in ukraine with russia it's affecting the global markets everybody's interconnected and you add into that as you said this generational diversity that is inherent yes. and and it, it, it so innate into our lives that, that all we can do really is is learn to adapt around it or be aware certainly be aware of it you have to be aware of it you have to treat treat them not as um, as so they're all the same they're not and um, you have to treat them because each person is different with their own needs their own expectations and again the need to build a bridge and not be a wall joke uh, we talked about creating a bridge and finally i would say um, one particular phenomena that could and is working beautifully where people have managed to pull it off is reverse mentoring. Reverse mentoring, if practiced the right way, can give phenomenal, phenomenal results and probably is the answer to all these generational issues or dissonance that we face around us at work and at home. So and reverse mentoring about, yeah. would be the secret to every generation adding and gaining value from
from each other, mm. from each other's strengths. Whilst avoiding the pitfall of the the reverse mentoring being a one-way street where the 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 more senior person does all the drawing of the knowledge without giving back. So that's sometimes we've got to be careful here. Reverse mentoring is probably truly symbiotic, a win-win, yes. a, a both parties have to get some some uh, inspiration and some motivation out of it. And I and, and that, I think that goes for also when we think of other other elements of diversity, being able to understand different lived experience, different life challenges, different needs. That's an excellent way. I completely agree with you. Reverse mentoring is, is should be baked into many leadership uh, development programs, and uh, yeah, and we can learn. Absolutely, it's an art. It's an art, art and science of reverse mentoring, an entire entire subject. Brilliant, Nija. I mean, I, we've been chatting away for just over an hour now. It's time is flying. Um we've probably both aged generations <laughs> since we've been talking. Um <laughs> Jen Charlie is 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 already on the way somewhere. Um absolutely amazing. So I'm sure our listeners would love to be able to get a hold of you. Um I believe you've got a book, a website, LinkedIn profile. So t- tell us tell us about your book. Tell us about how how we can get a hold of you. Yes. I've written four books, uh, Joe, on uh, generational issues, and uh, I have an author's page on Amazon. Uh, I have a website, nirjasingh.com, with a URL, HTTPS, all of that, nirjasingh.com. And my LinkedIn is also linkedin.com and nirjasingh, nirja-singh. And Twitter is underscore nirjasingh. Fantastic. And just... For people who are listening, it's uh, Nirja is N E E R J A, and Singh right. is S I N G H. So, if anyone who uh, needs some help with spelling that, uh, but you also find all those details on the show notes on this podcast as well. Amazing! Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you in person a few weeks ago, and also catch up with you now. And I appreciate your time. Um, Absolutely, Joe. So a huge thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in, for getting to the end of the podcast. I always appreciate it when my listeners get to this point of the show. Um, we've obviously inspired you to keep listening. So please keep do subscribe to keep updated on future episodes of the Inclusion Bytes podcast. That's B-I-T-E-S. Please tell your friends. Please tell your colleagues. Please share the love and the links. I have a number of other exciting guests lined up that I'm sure you'll be equally inspired by over the next few weeks, months, and maybe even years. And remember, if you'd love to be a guest, I'd love to have you on. And I also welcome any feedback and suggestions. So please contact me at joe.lockwood at cjnchapman.co.uk. joe.lockwood at cjnchapman.co.uk. And finally, my name is Joanne Lockwood. It has been an absolute pleasure to host this podcast for you today. Catch you next time. Bye.